Ovajana, Tumirandasya, Yanam Jana Shalakaya, Chakshur Militam Yuna Tatsmai Shigaravinamaha. Meeting Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, I want to leave everything and go with you. But Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him, No, you stay in your home area. And Jari Deko Tari Kaha Krishna Upadesh Amar Alde Guru Hayatara Edesh. In your own home area, whoever you meet, instruct them in the science of Krishna, and this will become a guru and deliver your own country. So I'm seeing that devotees in different towns are taking up the responsibility, household of devotees are taking up the responsibility to preach among their own local people. And it's becoming very successful in various places. So this is very nice. The sannyasis of Uskon are also traveling in Russia. They may not be able to go to every village in every oblast, so local devotees can take that up and make all of Russia tremble, shake in the ecstasy of Krishna Sankirtan. We want that there should be a great earthquake in Russia, and everyone will be dancing in so much ecstasy that the whole earth will shake. So we have a lot of work to do. All right, please, can the gentleman move inside a little bit this way and make some space? All right, now I'm, I'm going to speak about this thing you were talking about in the Oh, right away. So uh, now I'm going to speak about something which is, uh, you might find unusual and unpalatable. But uh, I find it's my duty to instruct in all these various matters. Prabhupada came and he taught people who knew nothing about Krishna about the activities of Goloka Vaidava. But because the people who were here knew nothing about anything to do with Krishna consciousness or even the slightest things of Vedic culture, he also had to teach them how to wash themselves up the passing stool. Actually, it is not the duty of a Guru to teach how to wash yourself after passing stool and take a bath. In traditional culture, the children will learn that very early before they go to the Guru. But in the Western world, there's uh, no such thing. Just uh, you, you pass stool and then you smear it around your backside with some paper. And then maybe afterwards you wash your hands and you come out wearing the same clothes. And then you go and eat your uh, food. Food? Then, yeah, then you go and eat yeah. without you know, washing your hands. Sometimes devotees say that, you know, we want to learn about some higher topics. Personally, I'm more interested in teaching devotees the lower topics. Let us learn ABC before we try to uh, compose poetry. This is being realistic. So anyway, to come to this unpalatable topic, as unpalatable as passing stool or work. As we all know, and we don't like to talk about it very much, but uh, there is one period in the lady in the month in which ladies, at least in Vedic culture, are considered unclean. Now, traditionally during this period, they don't do anything. They go and stay in a room by themselves and they simply rest. No one is even supposed to see them. And uh, they're certainly not allowed to go to any temple or do any cooking or any such thing. So actually this is, uh, this is 
rules of Vedic culture and there are reasons for it also. One reason is they get a break because, uh, you know, a woman, mother's job is a 24-hour job, especially young children. So they, they get a break. Also, um, at that time, not, the impurities are being given off from the body, all over the body, even the small pores of the body, just like at night when you're sleeping, it all the time the uh, impurities are being discharged through the pores of the body, so the whole situation is completely impure. At that time. Yeah. So it's actually, when we say that they're impure during this time, I mean, it's actually very unhygienic for them to touch anything or anybody, so therefore these rules are there. Now, traditionally, people would live in joint family, in which all the brothers would live together with their wives. So, if there were, say, uh, seven or eight women, uh, and uh, of course there's also the grandmothers, but if there are seven or eight and one or two are out, as they say, say, then the rest are in. So, between them, they can cover up looking after the children and... uh, cooking and all these things. In the modern age with urbanization, the whole uh, concept of the joint family is broken down. So that even in Indian families, uh, especially in the cities, the women, they have to cook because there's no one else to do so. But still they follow that they won't go to the temple during that time. And in families that are more strict, then uh, they still, they don't, uh, they make some arrangement that they're not cooking. Because strictly speaking, what they cook during that time is not offerable at all. Now Prabhupada, he said that uh, making an allowance for the conditions in the modern age, he said that women could cook during that period, but it's better that they don't. So in the home, if there's no joint family, then they may have to. But in our temples, uh, they should not do so. They shouldn't go on the altar, they shouldn't cook, nothing. And in a situation like this, where it's a festival and there are many matajis, then they also, if they're in that time of the month, then they shouldn't also. We very much appreciate that the matajis are in their motherly mood, are so keen to cook. Some uh, sannyasis are very strict and don't allow that women should cook for them. But uh, we find that at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that was allowed that women would cook for sannyasis. But uh, this rule should be observed. In, in the West, because you don't know about these things, it may seem rather unusual. But you treat, please try to learn. Now, one detail, I heard it said that, uh, you see, after three days the flow becomes less, so it may, may say, well, you can also do things during that period. But no, it's not for that. When it's completely finished, you take a bath and then you can go over the And you may find that other devotees in this can say other things. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. You can, you know, and everything's okay. Sometimes we hear it said that, well, because we're doing bhakti, that we don't have to follow all these rules. But actually, I only ever heard this in the West. In India, it's round the other way. People think that if you're doing bhakti, you should follow the rules more strictly. Because if you're doing bhakti, it means you're doing things for the pleasure of the Lord, so you should follow the rules very strictly. But in the West, the the devotees, they often have the idea that bhakti, so we don't need to follow them. But actually, as I say, it's the only other way. All right, well, I'm 
I'm sorry in one life way that I have to say this, but uh, on the other hand, it does need to be said. Again, uh, different people in Islam may say different things, but at least those of you who are my, my disciples, you know that I'd like to uh, follow the standards very properly for the pleasure of Krishna. So this is for your education, I hope. Please don't think otherwise. As a matter of fact, you, you see, even in this period, they shouldn't uh, even go in the kitchen or anything. Nothing. Not even cutting food or any such thing. Again, this is for temple situations. In the home, you may have to do There may be no choice. Okay, so you can please transcribe that whenever you some time to send it. If okay. you have any questions about this, you can also put right there in the Can your disciples watch uh, movies with philosophical contents uh, shoot, shot by karmis? Then there'll be no end. <laughs> there, you go in the library, there are hundreds of books, and they all have some, even the novels, they have some kind of philosophical bent. Yeah, this is this is a common excuse for being in my I saw this film, but it was very philosophical. What philosophy? Was it Bhagavad Gita as it is? That's philosophy. The philosophy outside of Bhagavad Gita as it is means simply confusion. They're simply they have uh, they're speculating, they have no idea. You'll find that many there are many karmis who have many interesting insights into the human situation. I remember reading so many books as a, before I came to this movement. So they have very interesting insights into the, the different machinations of the mind and always that. It's very interesting, but they have no answers. All the uh, insights they have are already summed up in two words in Bhagavad Gita. All their insights. All the insights that oh, they have yeah, are summed up in two words of Bhagavad Gita. Anityam asukam. This material world is temporary and miserable. So if you are if you are so fortunate that you have so much time to watch them, how long does it take to watch a movie? Nineteen minutes or something average, I think. If you have so much time, better study these books. As I was saying, I used to read many books, but then I became totally disgusted because I realized they're all completely useless. One, any one line in Prabhupada's books will give you far more philosophical insight than reading all the philosophers of the world together who are not Krishna conscious. Not only that, but they, they may be philosophical, but what philosophy? Wrong philosophy. So, can my disciples watch these films? They can, but I don't want them to. I want you to study Prabhupada's books and preach this message. These films will not help you to become Krishna conscious. Isn't it clear? Hmm. Some devotees think that uh, uh, one can drink water without offering. Is it authoritative? Well, I don't know if there's any Shastra command for it, but I know that uh, Prabhupada didn't always offer water before drinking it. Prabhupada once told about one man in Calcutta who would, who would only, he wouldn't take water unless it was offered. So he, he was praising that as a standard of very uh, strict devotion. But I don't, 
Can Matajis continue to serve the deity in the mind during the month, monthlies? In the mind, uh, by uh, in in their mind, performing puja by your hands. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> There's the story of that Brahmana, he had no ability to, he was very poor and he couldn't worship the Lord in opulence, but he was doing so in his mind. It's not that during that period you have to merge into the impersonal Brahmana. You can still think of Krishna. Please tell that um, about excessive attachment to rules and regulations. Where is the border between ignoring? them and excessive attachment to the rules, to following the rules of the regulations. Am I being accused here? Excessive attachment that's described that by Prabhupada in the Uddhadesh Amrita, when one is following the rules and regulations without understanding the purpose behind them. If one insists that others follow the rules and regulations or himself follows, but is more attached to follow for the sake of uh, formality rather than for pleasing Krishna, then he hasn't understood the purpose. You should always understand that the purpose is to please Krishna. But then again, the rules and regulations are there to regulate our lives to act in such a way that is pleasing to Krishna. So, for instance, one rule is that one should rise early in the morning because uh, that is more pleasing to Krishna than if you sleep all night. So these rules and regulations help us to be Krishna conscious. So in general, we could say it's better to be attached to the rules and regulations, uh, even somewhat fanatically, rather than not following them at all. Is it true that instruction, spiritual master's instructions to marry uh, uh, can be ignored? And the same goes with the instruction, do not marry. <laughs> Before Kumaras do not follow the order of Lord Brahma to marry. So, if you're actually going to be as fixed in renunciation as the four Kumaras, then it may be possible to deny the order. But it's understood that one accepts a spiritual master because one understands that uh, one is willing to accept his instruction. One considers that he, is, he knows better for me than, than what I do. We also have the case of Priyavrata Maharaj who didn't want to marry, and whose guru, Narad Muni, supported him in that determination. But Narad Muni's guru, Brahma, he said, he told him, actually you should marry. So Priyavrata accepted that. And it appeared that by doing so, his spiritual life went down. But ultimately, he went back to Godhead. So we shouldn't flippantly neglect the order of the spiritual master. Flippant limits, whimsically? Yeah, like that. Taking it as something right. Mm. We should understand that unless the spiritual master gives us an order which is absolutely against Krishna consciousness, which means that he himself is no longer fit to be a guru, we should understand that if his order is not against the instructions of Shastra, then um, there is some, some power comes with that order also. We get strength in spiritual life and uh, the backing of, of Krishna by faithfully following the orders of the spiritual master. If we don't do, then uh, then we're on a very dangerous path. Then uh, we're no longer protected. Uh, 
Why did Lord Chaitanya accept sannyas from my body to uh, in order, in order uh, even Lord Chaitanya accepted sannyasa from my body in order to to follow the formality uh, why uh, this was ignored by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati who took, who accepted sannyas uh, from a photograph of his guru there's no need for a Vaishnav to take sannyas taking sannyas has got nothing to do with the situation of the soul it is a material formality both Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there's certainly no need for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to take sannyas. He's the Supreme Person of the Godhead. However, sannyas is uh, useful for preaching because people tend to take it seriously. This whole world is running on under the fascination of sex attraction. So one who can renounce that is respected by pious people. So as a formality, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas from a Mayavadi sannyasi. He actually made him a devotee before he took sannyas from him, but at least from the external point of view, he was a Mayavadi sannyasi. He was a sannyasi of the Shankara Sampada, a recognized Sampada. When Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur took sannyas, there, were no, uh, there, was, there was no more influence of the Shankara Sampada in Bengal. The only sannyasis who were known in Bengal at that time were of the Ram Krishna mission, which uh, Saraswati Thakur was going to go in full war against them. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took from a Mayavadi sannyasi, but at least they, they followed some principles. But the Ram Krishna mission sannyasis were so degraded they even eat flesh and call themselves sannyasis. So Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He instituted this revolutionary process of reinstituting sannyas in the Vaishnava Sampadana. Even if you say, even if you see, even if he took from Gorkishwar Das Babaji Maharaj photo, but even then Gorkishwar Das Babaji Maharaj, he himself was not one to give sannyas. Sannyas is a, an, an institution of the Varnashram system, and as a Paramahamsa, in Paramahamsa dress, God has, Kaukishwara's Prabhupada Maharaj has already renounced all duties of the Varnashram system. It's much more to Anyway, next question. In Bhagavad Gita, when, Par- when the Paramatma is described, it is said that his hands, legs, and mouths are everywhere. Uh, are hands, legs, and, and so on of uh, the inhabitants of the material world meant by this no Asma and Paramatma are different the Paramatma that is the form of the Lord that is present everywhere and that form has hands, legs, mouths etc I have a mouth but this is the mouth of the body that is covering the Jivatma this is not the mouth of the Paramatma Again, it's not monthlies. Again, it's about uh, can women during the monthlies touch the deity if uh, she was fasting, like it was full fast, uh, near jaw fast, without taking water before before that. It's another complete speculation. Near jaw has got nothing to fasting has got nothing to do with it. You're in a contaminated state. It's just like if, you pa- if you're fasting and you pass stool, 
still you're contaminated. It's not that because you're fasting that you're not contaminated. So during that time, it's like continuously passing stool. It's it's the same level of contamination. These are all things that you see. There's there's a street dharma that is the that is described in Mahabharata and other scriptures. That means the duties for women. So these are all the duties of chaste and respectable women, honorable, respectable. And traditionally, only uh, only a chandali or the wife of a chandala, she would cook and he would eat during this period. Others oh. wouldn't do. You can add that last sentence in your transcription. Mm. Mm. Sixth canto of Bhagavad Gita. Uh, a yogi uh, who concentrated his mind on me, Krishna says, attains um, to the attains the, 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 the perfection of the highest spiritual bliss uh, over, um, overcoming the mode of uh, passion uh, yogi understands his uh, equ- equality with uh, no, with abs- absolute and thus he is uh, freed from uh, from all past Karma mm. of all reactions of past activities. <coughs> so, what's the, what does it mean? The, the oneness. He understands that he understands the statement that he understands his oneness with absolute, not equality, but oneness absolute with absolute. And why does it lead to? Why does it free one from the reactions of his uh, sinful activities and past activities? And this is the uh, impersonal understanding of the absolute. <laughs> To understand that I am one with the Supreme, that is true. The Supreme is Satyadananda Mai, eternal, full of bliss and knowledge. And we are of the Jivatma, is also Satyadananda Mai, eternal, full of bliss and knowledge. So that is the impersonal or incomplete understanding of the Absolute That means one has entered on the spiritual platform, one may not have fully. Uh, understood the absolute truth, but there is a beginning of this. It's just like you might, there may be some big mansion, you enter in the gate, so you're on the property, but you haven't actually come to the house, but you're within the gardens. So in the same way, if you come to the spiritual platform, that means you're left behind the material platform. So in that way you become, you, you pass beyond the platform of actions and reactions although you may not have fully reached to the final destination. So like that, in the spiritual atmosphere, there, in, there, there is the impersonal domain, which is beyond the material world, but it's not the same as being in the Vaikuntha. Being situated in that impersonal domain is not the same as being situated in the Vaikuntha planets, but it's still a spiritual position. It is beyond the sinful atmosphere of this material world. Uh, Acharyas recommend, in order to get rid of offenses to the Holy Name, why should uh, chant mantra in association of elevated devotees uh, who are free from making such offenses? Uh, please, if it, if it does not, uh, con- if it uh, fits your daily schedule, please be merciful to your disciples 
give us an opportunity, just one opportunity to change up with you, mm-hmm. together with you. Okay. <laughs> there are some reasons I don't usually do that. One is, actually, stems from the time when I lost my voice and I couldn't hear anything. But the I used to croak my words. That phase is passed over. I still find it a little difficult to hear it. And there are many other people also chanting in the vicinity. And I also sometimes, in the middle, stop and do some writing also. And that's the time when most of the ideas for writing come. Anyway, tomorrow morning. Oh. I don't know how much you'll hear if there are not 50 other people in the room. <laughs> Uh, how Grihastas can distribute Srila Prabhupada's books? How can they attain to the level uh, where one fully devotes his, uh, himself, his life, to the distribution of books? Well, he may not be able to fully distribute his life. In the, Practically, he may not be able to do that. He may not be able to fully distribute sacrifice his life to distribute Papa's books because he also has the duty to maintain his family. Well, how Grihastha can distribute books? Well, maybe some of our Grihastas who are doing that can answer that. I mean, I can also answer. Can you the thing is that you get some books, you put them in a bag, and you walk outside of the, the door of your house, <laughs> and you go to some other house and knock on the door and show the people the books and ask them to take them. And they may say yes and they may say no. Some will say no, and some will say yes. That's how you do it. Any other Grihastas like to uh, add some more insights on this? Well... Distributing books? Of course, it sounds very simple, but uh, it's all going on under the <coughs> internal potency of the Supreme Lord. But physically, there's no difficulty to do so. He's calamity, he's... He has to in the sense that he's living in his home. He has stuck means he's living in the home. And he's distributing books. So, how do you do it? You put them in a bag, you walk out the door, and say, Talking about? It requires a little courage. How does that tell you that movie? He goes door to door with his harmonium. During Karinamas, they work. At the work, I just leave books, leave them the books, and they after afterwards they they take interest. They start to look at them, to ask about them. Same Russian. You? He's, just repeat his words or what? No, you can say it in Russian so everyone can hear. When I was in the hospital, I just put Shri Prabhupada's books on a on a table, and people themselves they approached these books and uh, started to look at them and started to purchase them. Because the books are distributing, are distributing by themselves. They themselves distribute uh, themselves. So one should just believe in it and then... Right, that is the point. We have to have faith. If we think, I have to distribute books, we can't do anything. But if we think, let me try to become an instrument in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sankirtan mission, then books will go out through us, not Look. by us. Then... Uh, do you object to offering you uh, prasadam of the Lord after it is taken from the altar uh, as a personal offering so for a few minutes 
or this offering when we offer on the altar it means that we offer uh, prasadam to hope or ampara including you so she, someone offers prasadam on the altar and after taking it off from the altar can he personally offer it to you like you picture maybe for and leave it for a few minutes or when the food is offered on the altar it means that it is offered after it is taken by the Lord it is offered to all parampara and automatically it is offered to you also uh, should they just offer this prasadam separately for you I mean after it is offered to the Lord separately or it is enough to offer on the, on the altar it means that this Mahaprasad. It's enough to offer on the altar. I don't understand what the other thing is at all. Mm. I don't understand what the other thing is supposed to be. Mm. So you can say. Yeah, just. Uh, um, it's not. <coughs> There's some more. It's a normal system. Mm. So the question is when the food is offered to the Lord, does it mean that. Uh, all parampara down from the Lord uh, also accepted this Mahaprasadam after it was offered. So is it so or not? Generally it's understood that we offer to the deity through the agency of the parampara. Mm-hmm. And that becomes Krishna Prasad or Chaitanya Mahaprasad Prasad. That's uh, unless it's specifically offered to other devotees it's it's understood that it's not taken by them. How to properly chant eight names of Tulsi Devi? What is meant by properly? Who asked the question? Well, what's the shloka? Как звучит шлока? Vrinda, Vishwapujita, Vishwa, Vishwapuj, Vishwapavani, all these names of them. So how does the shloka? Is it it's one of these understood shlokas like in Bhagavad Gita, Savadama and Richard? You see what it, what the meter of the shloka is then you can see. What is the shloka? Can you write it out? Then we can see what is the meter. Then you can ask it out how to translate it. Is it? Yeah. Is it understood? Is it unusual or anything? Then it's simple. So he told me. There may be many tunes. I spent three hours for chanting of 16 rounds. Should I try to increase my speed to in order to study books more, to have more time for studying the books and doing more service? Robert indicated that if one takes an, an inordinately long time and he's not concentrating properly. So try to concentrate. Sometimes devotees think, well, if you take a long time, it must be more devotional. But Robert, he said, run the other way. Of course, if you do it, un- if you do it unnaturally quickly, if you finish all your rounds in 16 rounds in 45 minutes, then 
it won't be clear at all. But it, just as you see, Haridas Thakur was chanting three lakhs of names a day, so he must have been, and he was also preaching, and so he also had to eat, and so on. So that's what, 192 rounds? So that, he must have been chanting fairly fast. So fast chanting is not bad, it seems to be the, I mean not very fast, but with, with a good steady speed. Have you heard the Prabhupada Japa take up a chance quite quickly? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. It's not that speed, isn't it, the Prabhupada's chanting? So if you chant at that speed, you're going to, you're going to finish your rounds in less than three hours. I'm, maybe I can ask a question that some devotees, I, I saw that some devotees, they chant without properly pronouncing the words. So they just keep their hand in, in the beatback and, you know, they're whispering something, but sometimes you cannot make out even the sound. And as regards Saridas Thakuri, he said that he was also chanting in the mind and uh, like one lakh he was chanting like this. So they they consider when they chant like they do some devotees, so they consider that you know they're chanting like some in mind or something, and it is also chanting of sixty rounds. Can they do like such practice? Well, as Prabhupada often said, we shouldn't try to imitate Haridas Thakur. Prabhupada wrote in one purport that because people in the modern age cannot chant so many rounds, therefore we have fixed the quota as sixteen. And Prabhupada gave um, directions on how those six, in the same purport, Prabhupada gave directions on how those, how those sixteen rounds should be chanted. Prabhupada wrote that they should be chanted loud enough so that one can hear himself and can be heard by others. Hainash Thakur himself said that loud chant, there are three levels of chanting, mentally, whispering, and loudly. But Hainash Thakur himself said that chanting them loudly is better, best. He said that it's the best because other living beings who can't chant, like animals, birds, trees, insects, they also hear and they get delivered by hearing that. So actually people who say like this, they're either very, very neophyte or just insincere, that's all. They're just making a show. They're not sincere about being purified or serving the Holy Name. One more question. Uh, can devotees wear le- leather belts, leather shoes, leather hats, and they use soap uh, with animal fat in it? <coughs> it's best to avoid these things. If you're out all day distributing books in the winter, there may be some case for wearing leather boots because there's nothing as warm as leather. To, <coughs> to facilitate the higher principle of distributing Prabhupada's book, one may make some adjustment on the lower level. But in general, we should try to avoid these things. As far as uh, soaps made from animal fat and all these things, if you can avoid also better. Что касается мыла, тоже лучше не пользоваться этим мылом, если это возможно, мылом, изготовленным из животного жира. In Russia now it's possible to get vegetarian soaps easily. 
Сейчас в России можно купить вегетарианское мыло? Если да, то тогда зачем пользоваться мылом из животного жира? Okay. Um, no, because... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Danish, right. you, I will announce that you are Russian. Uh, 